Good morning. It's good to be here today. It's, um, uh, I'm excited to bring you God's word. And I'd like to pray over that word. We're going to be looking at the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at Isaiah. And um, there is not as much story when you're, this is poetry. And there's not as much story. So sometimes for some of us, we're like, ooh, this is, this is a little bit challenging scripture. So I'd like to pray over it, that our hearts are ready to hear what God has to say to us this morning. And that um, we'll be able to use this time to prepare us for the great feast that he has prepared for us today in communion. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open your word. We're going to learn today that your word never returns void. That when your word goes out, it is so powerful that it will bring life and hope and health to those of us who hear it. And so we're going to grab on to that today. God, I pray that you would have um, brought us here really hungry, hungry to feast on your scripture and hungry to take part in the great feast that you have given us in in your Holy Communion. So be with my words, Lord, and um, help us to uh, gather a rich blessing from your word today. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture this morning comes from Isaiah 55. And we're looking, continuing to look at God's faithfulness to his people, to his world, um, and, and to the world that he created. So this is Isaiah 55. Come, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not, and nations that do not know you will hasten to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their evil ways and the evil ones their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and they will have mercy on, and the Lord will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of a thorn bush will grow the pine tree. Instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for his glory for an everlasting sign which will not be destroyed. This is God's word. 
So I want to set some context to this poem, to this prophecy. God is using the prophet Isaiah to say there is a future to a people who do not feel like they have a future. He is telling the people who feel hopeless that there yet is indeed hope. And to a world that is almost, to a person, turn their back on the Lord, he is saying, I have not turned my back on you. This is a very hopeful, hopeful poem, very hopeful and promising and picture of what a faithful God looks like. So here's what we need to know about when this poem, when this prophecy was written. First, we need to know that after the time of the kings, we've talked about the judges here before where the people constantly turn their back on the Lord. Then in the time of the kings, we see a couple of kings, King David and King Solomon, who follow the Lord. Solomon builds the temple. But things start to devolve after that. Uh, we end up getting many wars and rumors of wars and a political uh, sabotage between different kings, and some follow God and some do not. And in the end, most of them have turned their back on the Lord. And in, and the result of that, of not following God, is that the whole um, cu country of Israel, the people of Israel, they go into exile in Babylon. And that's where you hear that, that psalm, by the rivers of Babylon, we sit down, we play our hearts, and we weep. We long to be back in Jerusalem. So think about a people... And maybe even pause a minute to think about some of the refugees that we've invited here. You know, they're happy, I think, to be here because there's peace here. But they still long for what was home for them. They never woke up one morning and said, boy, uh, 20 years from now, I hope that I can live in Canada. They love their country. They long for their country. And part of what we have to do here is welcome them but also celebrate the fact that they, they come from different cultures and that they may still miss what they once had. This is not home for them. And that's exactly how the people in Israel felt when they were in exile in Babylon. It was not home for them. Furthermore, when the, the king uh, in Babylon decides that it's okay for some of the people to go back, some of them decide to go back to Jerusalem out of that longing. But some of them got quite content, felt quite comfortable staying in Babylon. Eh, I know what I know here. I've heard rumors that Jerusalem isn't in that good of shape. Actually, there's, there's quite a bit of famine. There's not enough food there. I think I'll stay here. I should be longing for, for that promised land again to be back in Jerusalem, which for them was a representation of being in God's presence. Babylon was being far from God. I think I'd rather stay here with what I know. And as a quick aside, how might that not be some of us sometimes? <laughs> we feel more comfortable in what we know here rather than taking that step of faith in what God has for us, which we know will probably be way better, but I know how to deal with my life where it is right now. So let's not be too hard on those Israelites that decided to stay in Babylon. So some have returned to Jerusalem and some have stayed behind. And what this poet does is brilliant. He starts talking about thirst, a real thirst. First, it's the thirst of, of those who have returned to Jerusalem, and they find out that things are in such dire straits, they actually have to pay for water. Now, in our day and age, we know about paying the water bill, right? We do that because we know we have to take care of making sure that the water is safe to drink and to pay for the sewage system that allows water in and out. But we understand that. But for most 
of history, water was free. You just had to pick up your barrel and go down and get it. Or you had to figure out how to dig your own well. Water was free. So this was unfathomable for people to think, I have to pay for what actually is one of the only things that keeps me from death. We need water. We shouldn't have to pay for water. So there they are. They're back in Jerusalem, and they have to pay in order to stay alive, pay for, for water. And here's the brilliant thing. This poet says, that's what spiritual thirst is like. You are so thirsty that you're almost willing to pay for anything to satiate that thirst. And we know about that, don't we? We will drink diet pop. We will drink coffee. We will drink all sorts of things that we think will kind of satisfy our thirst. When what do we really need? Water. Water. And so he's talking to both those who find it unfathomable that they have to pay for what would give them life. But he's reaching back to those who are in Babylon who are actually living surrounded by not the true God, but many gods. And they're actually paying for things that are not going to give them life. They're staying in a place that will not bring them into true life with God the Father. So when we hear this picture of come all of those who are thirsty, he's speaking to all of us. We thirst for that living water. It reminds us of Jesus with the woman at the well, and she has to go out in the middle of the day to get her water. He says, I've got water that will satisfy you for the rest of your life. i got water that will give you eternal life. That's what we're all seeking, even if we don't know how thirsty we are. The other thing we need to think about, the context, is there's kind of like three movements. I don't know if you heard it, but three different kinds of feel to this poem. First, we have this invitation, this come. Come and drink the water. Come and enjoy the food that I have. Come and have it for free. It's here for you. There's no price of admission to come to this meal, to drink this water. And then in the middle, we hear those familiar words, seek the Lord while he may be found. That's different. That's kind of a a sermon to all of us to say, okay, now be active, actively involved in seeking the Lord and and reaching out to the one who's reaching out to you. And then at the end, we hear that, and remember, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So three different movements, and I want to look at the bookends before we look at that middle, seek the Lord while he may be found. So in that first part of the poem, we hear come, come. And it's it's a resounding invitation to the life that God has, not just for the children of Israel, but for everyone. And it's it's not a secret message that is out there. When I was a little girl, many, many, many years ago, we had different ways to figure out who was being called to supper. So back in the olden days, those of you who are young and don't get to run around your neighborhoods and not have your parents know where you're from or where you're going or where you've been for 12 hours, that's how we used to live in the olden days. Isn't that true? We would be let, let loose, and my mom wouldn't see us until some kind of meal. And how would all the moms on the street call each other? Well, the people next door, they had one of those triangles, and when their mom wanted them to come in, they would ding, 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 ding. And we knew, oh, it's Jeannie Bell's mom. It's time for them to go for lunch. And another mom had just a really loud voice. And we would all know, oh, it's time for Tina to go home. Well, our way to get called home was one of those old taxi horns. Auga, 
auga. And that's how the Suen sisters knew, oh, it's time to go home. This is one of those kinds of calls that all of us can hear, that may would make all of us perk up our ears and calls us home, calls us to supper, calls us to come and drink of the water that will give us life. It is a call that isn't particular. It isn't like a magic call that only certain people can hear. This call goes out to everyone. Come. Come to the waters. Come drink the water that I have for you that is free and is lavish. This call can be heard by those who, are be who betrayed their first love, all those who had gone into exile. This call can be heard by those who decided not to return. Just being in Babylon didn't mean that they couldn't hear the word of the Lord calling them home. And what's the miracle in this, here in the Old Testament, those from all nations around the world who don't even know that there's a God seeking them can hear this call, come, come to the table, come to the waters. So even in this poem, as we celebrate God's faithfulness, we remind ourselves, and in this meal today, that God is faithful even to the unfaithful. God is faithful to those who may have been faithless. That is the good news. That is how lavish and open God's call is to come home. That's how faithful he is to the people that in the world that he created. And we see this faithfulness because he's the initiator. He's the one who invites. He's the one who calls, who seeks the lost. There's this, um, this place in Kitchener. I don't know if some of you heard of it. It's a donut place. I don't even know what it's called, but it's a pop-up donut place. And you have to hear about it through the grapevine. Have you heard of those kinds of things? There's pop-up restaurants. And everybody who's ever gotten to figure out where the pop-up donut place is on Saturday says, these donuts are to die for. Best donuts in the world. I love me a good donut. So I'm always keeping my ear to the ground, but I have never heard where the pop-up place is. And it's kind of frustrating because it means what? It's only those who are in the know get to go. That is the exact opposite of a faithful God. It isn't just those who are in the know, those who have the word that get to go. This invitation are to, is to those that don't even know that they're being invited yet. And we get to be witness to that. We, as the ones who are in the know, get to say, hey, you want to come with me? He allows himself to be found by anyone who is seeking him. And he's the supplier, the provider of all our needs, not just our physical needs, but to the living water that gives us life eternal. And it's lavish. Did you hear that in the scripture? It is the best affair, the richest affair. He's not just putting out bread and water. That's not what this is. This is life-giving. I have said it before and I will say it again. If you are looking for the best superfood, it is right here. This is lavish. This reflects him sending his son so that to die so that we could live. There is no greater superfood than is sitting on this table today. No Asiai berry, no uh, particularly great coffee, no grain will give you what this meal can give you. This is food for life. This is the food of life because Jesus gave his life in order that we may live.
And that's what we celebrate today. It is a lavished meal. It is one that will help us to be filled, unlike those empty calories in some ways of what those who were in exile in Babylon were eating. It wasn't filling. It isn't enough. And so it's a reminder to all of us when we go running after different philosophies, other religions, when we're so busy kind of looking inward and saying, well, how can I make my life better? Those are empty calories. Those will not get us where we need to go. It's only in Jesus that we have new life and we can run the race that we talked about today, that we can fly like eagles. It's that meal that gets us where we need to go. And here's the thing. It's free. It's free. And we all know in our world, nothing comes free. So we're a little bit skeptical of that, aren't we? We're wondering if there's a bait and switch, like come for a free meal and then you find out you have to pay extra. So some of you know my husband, Tom. Um, he and I are Groupon fanatics. We look for Groupons for everything. But we had like about a six-month period where Groupon was not good to us. We would get a Groupon, we would take it to the restaurant, and we would find out, well, no, this group only, Groupon only works on this part of the menu when the moon is full. <laughs> and so Tom is one who will have no problem leaving the restaurant with his bogus Groupon, but that embarrasses me. So then we have to have a little tug of war back and forth. Well, let's just eat off the mini menu and just call it quits. Well, that's what we're used to, isn't it? Kind of this bait and switch. Here's something you will really like. That's why they put coupons in the mail. Try this, and then you like it, and then you go, oh, that is $20 a pound. We cannot do that, right? A bait and switch. That is not how God works. What you see is even more than what you get. He is bigger than what we can understand, this poet says. He is not going to say, come for bread and wine, and oh, by the way, now you owe me. That's not how it works. Free. It is free. And so that's why that third movement comes into play in this poem. Because this does not make sense in our human economy. If this is the superfood, we would say in our economy that this would be the priciest food ever. Right? If this was a superfood, this would only be for rich people. If this was a superfood that we say it is, you would have to pay an admission price to come in for this meal in our economy. But it isn't our economy we're talking about. We're talking about God's economy. And in God's economy, his love is lavish. His food is free. What he has for us, the cost was paid by his son Jesus on the cross. He paid for it already. And so even though some of us are saying, what's the catch? What this poem is saying to us is that God is faithful to his own character, his own character that says he is lavish, he is loving, he is gracious, he is a promise keeper. He does this for his own sake. And praise God, it becomes for our sakes as well. But he is being true to his character. I want you to think about that. Pause a minute. What does that mean that God is doing it for his own sake? As the, psalm, as the poet says here, for his own renown. 
I think he's reminding us that we are so used to our own failings, our times when sometimes our character looks like this and other times it looks like this. We're so used to having people fail us that it's hard for us to believe that a God who created this world, who could ask for anything, only asks for our faithfulness. It doesn't make sense to us. We're being reminded here that in spite of our human frailty, we cannot compare ourselves to God. For his thoughts are not our thoughts, neither are his ways our ways, declares the Lord. We're reminded that God is God and we are not. He can set the rules for his economy and for how he lavishes not just those who follow him now, but lavishes his grace on even those who don't know him yet. There's no one to compare him to. He is faithfulness plus. And we are reminded that, Isaiah says, as we look at the world. When God waters the land, what happens? Crops are produced. He's faithful. He reminds us of that all the time in the cycles of of the seasons and how he continues to provide food for the world. And just like that watering and that coming forth of fruit, we're reminded, and I love this, because as a preacher this gives me courage and this gives me hope, that when his word is spoken, when we open his word, it will not return empty. There are seeds being planted in you that you don't even know about (laughs) and in me. God is working in our hearts in ways that we may not even be aware of yet. That's how powerful his word is. It was the word that spoke creation into being. It's the word that says he will be faithful to his promises. It's the word that we live in and out of every day and the living word, Jesus Christ, that we follow. And so when we hear, come, drink this water, come, for the table is set, we can be rest assured that that invitation is for each one of us and that his promises that we celebrate will continue to come to fruition because God is faithful to his own purposes. And so in the end, we hear that wonderful, many of you remember the song, you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. You remember that? Mountains and the hills will break forth before us. That's us. We get to go out with joy. You know how after you've had a great meal and you kind of, you have to make a decision. Do I have enough energy to get up after this great meal because I had eaten so much? And then the other decision is, oh, how can I savor this? How can I say thank you for such a great meal that was prepared for me? And there's a lot of joy. That's why we gather for birthday celebrations and anniversary celebrations and Almost any good thing, what do we do? Let's have a meal, right? Because good things happen here. And then when we leave, what do you usually hear? Oh, that was so awesome. That was so good. Oh, we should try that recipe again. Thank you so much for putting time in making this meal. We go out with joy. We get transformed by what we eat so that when we go out from here, we are witnesses to God's goodness. When we leave this place, we should be Just like the trees of the field, people should notice we just had the best meal of our lives. And we would so like you to come and have this meal with us. Because even though this table is quite small, 
In reality, it extends and extends. There's always room for more. We can invite more and more. There's always a place for someone who doesn't know that their chair, that their place card is right here. When we leave with joy, all we have to do is be the open to, oh, that's right, there are other place cards. God, show me who I need to invite so that this table is filled. We leave here with joy from the best meal ever. And he does it for his renown, it says, for his glory. And so in the middle, in the middle is the nugget of this poem. I'm going to read it again. So, because of this incredible God and this incredible meal that will give you incredible joy, that celebrates this incredible faithful God, do this. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let all of us who struggle with sin forsake that sin. Let us turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on us. Our God will freely pardon us. Because that's ultimately what we need, right? Ultimately, what we are seeking, what we are so thirsty for, is forgiveness and mercy so that we can belong to the one who created us. He makes himself findable. He makes himself, he's like that sardines game. Do you remember that sardines game? How many of you played sardines? Right? You hide, and then somebody else finds you, and then somebody else finds you. Right? That's what it is. He's not hiding, though. He's like, I'm here. Come on, there's more room for us. This is the ultimate sardines because you will find God. He's that present. And he, how did he do that? We're going to celebrate that in Advent and Christmas by making himself known to us in the person of Jesus. That's how faithful he is. He's faithful to pardon us, faithful to those who seek him. He is the giver of life. So today we hear, come, for the table is ready. Bear witness to the joy in life that we get from participating in this meal and help others who are seeking so that they too may find this God who loves him. So at the communion table, we are celebrating God's faithfulness in Christ. We are participating and eating the bread of life. The God who has made himself known to us reminds us that he is easier to find than what we sometimes make him to be. He's here in his son Jesus. This is a lavish table, and it bears witness to how much God loves us, that he would give his son for our sakes. And we're reminded that this isn't a one-time meal, that he provides to us all that we need forever and ever. So let's pray. God, we are thankful. We are thankful that uh, we have this this meal that we can participate in because it reminds us of the great feast that is being prepared that we can share with you and all the saints, all those who have said yes to you. We thank you, God, that um, you have called us to be your own, that not only do we belong to Jesus, but we belong to these people here. And we thank you that you've reminded us that there's more room for others. 
that our job is to bear witness, to go out with joy so that others can know about how lavish and caring you are. Father, we pray for those around the world for whom um, life is challenging. We pray for those who are longing for a home. May they find home in you. We pray for those, Lord, who are going through uh, yeah, famine, war, anxiety, anxiety within. And we pray, God, that you would raise up those who know and love you to bring peace and to be peacekeepers. We pray, God, that the nourishment we have here, we don't see just for ourselves, but that it will fuel us to look at the world and say it doesn't have to be this way, and in your name, do something about it. We ask, God, that um, you would be those within this, this village who couldn't be with us today, that you would bless and keep them that even though they're not sitting around the table today, that they know that they are a part of us and a part of you, sons and daughters of the great high king. And we pray a blessing over this meal, that it would bless us and that it would help us to bless others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.